You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another Padres podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Padres reporter, A.J. Casavell. And, A.J., I think a week ago we said that the Padres had a chance at Otani, but it was probably a, a very small chance. And now, lo and behold, they're one of seven finalists, so those chances have certainly gotten better. He's expected to meet with those teams in the coming days, already meeting with the Giants on Monday. So now we need to seriously talk about what the chances are. And when you look at the Padres and Otani, we talked about the front office pieces a week ago and they, they have in there with the Japanese roots. But A.J. Preller also right, has some history to a degree uh, with Otani. Yeah, and I think the the entire Padres organization lends itself well to signing Otani. I think if you look at the seven teams that are that are remaining in the hunt, the Padres have to have as good a chance as any of them. Uh, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, Andy Green was was spent a year playing for uh, Otani's team uh, that that he currently uh, is is with in Japan. Uh, there's Seichiro Nakagaki, um, Otani's old trainer, with. Uh, with Nippon Ham is now uh, the director of applied sports science for the Padres. There's a number of connections, and the Padres have uh, pretty much to a man, everyone I've talked to about it, have kind of downplayed those connections. But in, in a recruiting process like this, when I mean, we haven't seen a free agent kind of saga like this uh, ever. Uh, in something like this, I don't think any connection is too small to go unnoticed. We don't know what would be the sticking point that could ultimately. Uh, lead to Otani's decision making and and the Padres. There's a number of reasons to be optimistic and and at this time a week ago uh, it it didn't look as as promising as it does now. Now I think the Padres have to be one of the favorites. They're at least one of the top seven. Just being on the West Coast obviously has been a big uh, plus as well as right away Otani pretty much eliminated most of the country. Only Chicago and the Texas Rangers are the only teams uh, not out on the coast that are still involved. So. Uh, how about the Christian Bethencourt factor? Here's a guy that the uh, Padres have allowed to kind of go both ways. He's he's pitched, he's hit, he didn't really factor into the Major League Club the way they had hoped in 2017, but it just is more evidence that they're willing to allow a player to do this. Yeah, and every every single team is going is going to tell Otani, hey, we're willing to let you hit and we're willing to let you pitch and we're going to try and, and make a two-way player work. Every single team is going to say that because he's such a unique talent. Every team wants him. But the Padres have, have history to back that up with Christian Bethencourt, with what they tried last year. And while it didn't, it didn't pan out, the Padres at least have already addressed some of the logistical uh, kind of troubles that, that other teams would be taking on for the first time. Things like, I remember last spring, having to balance Bethencourt's batting practice schedule with his with his bullpen session schedule, uh, little things like that in terms of when he would be available to pitch and when he would avail- be available to hit. Now, obviously, Otani's a different case uh, because he'd be a starter. But there's there's it, it's clear that the Padres are committed to something like this. Whereas, and I don't, I obviously can't get into Otani's head in terms of what he's thinking. Other teams uh, uh, could potentially be less genuine in the sense that obviously they want him as a pitcher, but if he struggles a little bit as a hitter. Are they willing to keep that? Are they willing to keep the two-way experiment up? I think the Padres have really proven their open-mindedness to something like this already. So we will uh, keep an eye, obviously, on all the rumors and everything, and updating Twitter and all that stuff as that decision. Probably still at least a, a few days, if not a week or so, away. But he's got to meet with all the teams and finally make up his mind. Uh, he has over two weeks until he has to 
make up his mind. All right, so A.J. Preller, since the last time we spoke, um, has signed a three-year extension with the Padres. And you look back on the Preller tenure so far in San Diego, and it's kind of fascinating, A.J. He obviously went all in right away, and it kind of backfired. It didn't work. But he was quickly able to kind of turn things 180 degrees and start to rebuild this team the other way by going with a youth movement. All of that in not that long a time frame. And you look at where this team is right now, and there is a lot of young talent in the system. Um, it's kind of fascinating. You throw a 30-day suspension in there as well, and he has had an eventful stint. Yeah, and what, what the contract extension does more than anything else is kind of provide some stability. It's been a up and down first three years of Preller's tenure. Uh, but if you look at the next half decade, the Padres extended manager Andy Green earlier this year. They extended Will Myers last offseason. Their young core, the guys who they think are going to help lead them into contention, Austin Hedges, Manuel Margot, Hunter Renfro, they're all under control through 2022. In fact, they only have three free agents, uh, three players who will become free agents uh, before 2020. So this team is, is really kind of constructed. The pieces are in place where they're not going to be losing anything. Now it's a matter of building around those guys and developing some of the prospects. And uh, this has been Preller's vision all along, and the contract extension, what it does is basically uh, cements the fact that he will be in place to see that vision through. I mentioned the suspension, and that uh, stemmed from um, maybe the best way to put it is just like covering up injuries or not being completely honest about injuries and things like that. Did he have to win back ownership after that a little bit? He did. I think anytime, anytime you, you break the rules, you're, it's upon you to take some responsibility for it. Uh, Preller did exactly that, and I think the ownership kind of uh, gave him full backing um, with, with the caveat that, hey, nothing like this can ever happen again. And um, the ownership loves the plan Preller has in place. He, they love the way he's, he's kind of revamped the entire farm system uh, and got everyone on the same page going forward. Um, the suspension stemming from the it was, was the withheld medical information in the Drew Pomerantz trade. Ultimately, um, that trade kind of ended up, ended up uh, I don't want to say hurting the Padres, but Anderson Espinosa, who they acquired for Pomerantz, uh, he underwent Tommy John surgery last year, and so... It, it going forward, I think uh, the, the ownership group has full faith in Preller, and they, they kind of showed that with, uh, with this extension. All right, let's look back upon A.J. Preller's first winter meetings. You have a story coming out about winter meetings past in 2014. During the meetings, which actually took place in San Diego, uh, the Padres, the home team, didn't do a lot as far as actually getting things done and press releases going out, but they did do a lot of work. And that work paid off in the next couple of weeks, as I mentioned, them going all in. And that was really the winter when that happened. Just take us back a little bit to 2014 and all the big-time moves that Preller was able to make right away after taking over this team. Yeah, it was kind of he was he was the rock star GM, as as Matt Kemp called it. He uh, acquired Kemp, uh, Will Myers, and Justin Upton, kind of in a in a in a very short span in December. Um, all, all of those trades, uh, uh, the Padres moved significant pieces in their system and even on their major league roster. It was a complete and total shakeup. And, and what it did was kind of, I mean, it, it ultimately didn't pan out. The Padres won 74 games that year, but it got people talking about the Padres. It got people talking about Preller, and it was, it was an extremely eventful offseason. Um, uh, later in the offseason, obviously, the Padres would acquire James Shields and Craig Kimbrell. 
But I think those winter meetings were especially key in, in laying the groundwork for some of those for some of those trades. And and now looking back, I think uh, the the general consensus in the organization isn't that isn't that it was a failed plan. It's that there was a plan that didn't work out that is is kind of almost still going on. Uh, they they acquired Craig Kimball for prospects. They didn't win. They traded Craig Kimball for prospects, and now some of those prospects, Manuel Margot, uh, Carlos Asuaje, are paying dividends at the major league level. Level Will Myers is still a part of the Padres' backbone for the next few years, and so uh, I think what we saw from AJ Pellis' philosophy has definitely changed since his first winter meetings. But what we saw in those winter meetings was a willingness to to be bold and to make moves and to uh, to take chances, and uh, he certainly hasn't stopped doing that. All right, so let's look ahead to a week from now, Orlando, Florida, the site of the 2017 winter meetings. Uh, do you expect the Padres to be busy, or is it, it going to be a quieter week for San Diego? I think it's going to be a lot busier than it was uh, a year ago. Last year was quiet up until the Rule 5 draft. The Padres have some holes to fill on their pitching staff, and I know they're exploring trade options with some starting pitchers, but it's probably likelier that they go via the free agent route. Um, obviously they're going to be at the forefront of the Otani discussion, uh, it, depending on whether that lingers over into the winter meetings. There's some offensive holes they need to fill, too. too. Uh, Eric Hosmer is a guy that's been discussed. Um, I don't know how real those talks are, but, but if, if they are, I'm sure they'll ramp up soon. Uh, they, could, they really need a shortstop. They're weighing whether that's, that's a position they need to trade for or that's a position where they can sign someone as a stopgap for, uh, for Fernando Tatis Jr., one of their top prospects. But there's a, there's a lot that the Padres need to resolve on their major league roster. I don't know if they're going to be making any major splashy moves like Hosmer or, or Otani. Obviously, they'd love to, but uh, that remains to be seen. But there's still a lot to get done, and I think they will be busy, at least in the sense of, of moving some pieces and, and trying to get some guys on board before the new year. All right, we look forward to it. And next time we speak, AJ, it'll be down there at the winter meetings. We'll do this uh, podcast in person. So I look forward to that. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Padres edition. For AJ Casavell, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.